Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flagel, and on this show, we're doing once again what we did on our last show. We are going to be practicing scriptural listening prayer. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. We're going to explain it and the process in just a few moments. And just as a suggestion, you can always go back and listen to the last show. In fact, I'd highly suggest it because we had such a great time doing this. And that's really why we're doing it again. And so when I'm saying we, I mean me and my good friend and our special guest, Kim Ward. So let's just jump right into it with Kim. Kim. Okay. It's nice to see you. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to be back with you. Yeah. Having a good time with this. It's been fun. Just keep it rolling, right? Rolling, rolling. (laughs) So uh, tonight, the fun part is that uh, God has given you the scripture that we are going to use for scripture listening prayer and uh what just to, we're going to explain what scripture listening prayer is in case people are listening for the first time tonight and haven't heard the last couple of broadcasts so uh the last couple of shows so what uh first of all let's give the scripture what is it tonight that we're going to be looking at yeah we're going to be in john chapter 10 uh verses 7 through 18 Okay, John chapter 10, 7 through 18. So we're, we're going, going to be in one of the four accounts of Jesus's life, which in the past few weeks we said, if you've never done scripture listening prayer, that's the place to go. Either Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, pick a, uh, a passage. You know, roughly the best I think is around five, uh, 15 verses. And, uh, and then you get to do uh, this practice that we're talking about tonight. So it involves reading it three times, reading it to listen for God's voice in different ways, and even be in tune with your own self, to, be, uh, to listen to your own uh, heart, your own mind, what's going on inside as you're reading it. So three different readings, the same passage, we like to do three different verses, or three different... Uh, translations? Translations, not verses. The same passage, different translations, variations. So um, the first time reading through, what are people looking for? So the first time you're reading through, you're looking for a word, phrase, or possibly an entire verse that stands out to you. Um could be something as simple as just a single word mm-hmm. that really just catches your eye, or it could really be the entire verse that's speaking to you in that moment. And, you know, it's the upside of this is it's a practice, as you like to keep reminding us <laughs> over and over again. So um, say it ten times, <laughs> and someone might actually hear you one time. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the view is just since it is a practice, it's just. You know, I know the first few times I did things like this, I was kind of like, I'm not sure. Like, I kind of feel like my eye is coming back to this one section, but I'm not 100% sure on it. But the beauty of practice is is it's not about getting it right. Mm. You know, it's about experiencing God's presence mm-hmm. and God speaking to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and the more you practice something, the easier it gets mm-hmm. and the more comfortable you get doing it. So it's, there's no pressure to get it right, so to speak. That's great that, you know, it's not just our physical experience that has muscle memory. It's also our spiritual does as well. And the more you do things, the more it's, like you said, it's easier to hear. It's easier to get into that zone. Less, it becomes less awkward. definitely true yeah assuming that you're not running away from God and trying not to hear him at the moment but yeah so then the second time you're reading through the scripture passage you're then looking for what is your emotional response to what you're reading you know is it giving you hope 
is it causing you to be angry because you can't understand why they're doing what they're doing, you know, uh, sadness, you know, and that one, this one is the one that is definitely the hardest, I think, at least I know it is for me generally. Mm. Um, it takes a little more self-awareness because it's not something we normally think about when we're reading scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, to look for an emotional response and depending on what number you are on the Enneagram, that could be extremely difficult. And also what gender you are, <laughs> let's be honest. And general, generalized speaking, guys are harder. They have t- typically guys have lower EQ emotional quotient than women do. And so I would say I definitely fall into that category, which is, I'm sure, surprising for some people to believe, but it's true. It takes <laughs> I, a lot of work. I was just talking with a friend about about what we've been talking about on the podcast, and she was telling me that that was the part that she had the most trouble mm. with as well. Hmm. So it's not just guys. Hmm. Um, you know, we're not going to give you an easy out on that one. <laughs> it's a human experience. It's a human experience. Okay. I think. All right. So, and then. The third time through. Uh, then you are looking for God's gift to you or invitation, which could be something as simple as rest in my peace or you know who I am or hey, come, I want to spend more time with you or start listening for my voice. You know, there's a million different things it could be. You know, but it's that gift or response to whatever, you know, the passage is bringing up for you yeah. and God. I like, to, I like to frame it up for me is, and the question is, God, what, what's the gift or invitation you have for me today? Yeah. Because that's all we're given, right? We're given the presence. We don't have the past. We don't have the future. We have this moment. And it's cool to be able to ask God where he is and what he's inviting us into or what he's giving to us for that day, for that moment, for the present. Uh, It was yesterday that he gave me ask and listen, ask and listen. And there was, that was the, it was an invitation. So it was, not necessarily, I framed, a, framed, framed it up as a gift, or I mean as an invitation rather than a gift this, this time. And so it varies. You know, sometimes it feels like more like a gift. Sometimes it feels more like an invitation. Sometimes it feels like both. You know, all of a sudden I was about to go into that old com- commercial. Sometimes you feel like in that, sometimes you don't for the Almond Joy or whatever it was, but candy. Oh, candy. candy sounds yeah. good all of a sudden. Oh, Halloween's gone. Not time for candy. It's chicken pie. It's always time for candy. What are you talking about, Craig? Okay, so um, is there anything else that would be good to uh, to mention before we jump right into this? I know we said that we're going to go with just our initial responses for everything, and at the end, um, then we'll go further into detail about what we really feel God was saying. Yes. Description, yeah, of why we were doing that, or why we feel like that was what was going on. Today. Yeah, yeah, and this is important for people to understand. This is this show in the last few weeks. Our invitation for people to do this with us, yeah. not just listen, but be participants. Anyone who's listening to this live or even as a podcast, this is meant to be participatory. To pull out the scriptures get something to write on either physically like pen and paper or pencil and paper or notes on a phone or computer. I love when I'm doing this. I do this every morning. This is my regular practice to hear God's voice. And I find that the power in it for me is asking the questions, allowing God's space to respond You know, and a lot of times I find in Bible study, and there's a place for Bible study for sure. Almost definitely. You need it. However, what I find in Bible study is it's me thinking through things more than leaving space for God to speak. That's just me. You know, and that's something I 
you know, I've experienced in the past. And this is really more about that, again, making space for God to speak. So we're inviting you to do this with us as we jump in right now. Um, and we always start with an invitation. For, we start with the invitation to invite God in to speak to us and declare ourselves um, that we're, you know, to him that we're listening. Do you, would you like the honor or would you like me to uh, pray? I'm thanking you. Okay. Well, what I like to do when I pray is to get into that um, state of being of, of listening is to take a moment of silence to, before I even begin to speak in prayer, to listen for God's voice. So I'm just going to, let me just take a couple of moments to, in silence before, um, before I say anything. God, we thank you that you're a, a God of of new things. As your word even tells us that you're doing a new thing. And while this practice that we are are doing tonight to hear your voice is an ancient practice, it's new to a lot of people. And you move in new ways always in our lives. So we... We acknowledge that new things often create a sense of uncertainty in us, maybe even a sense of awkwardness. And we thank you, God, that you are the God who is complete. And in our incompleteness, there is no insecurity because you love to overwhelm our incompleteness in the, in the completeness and fullness of your love for us. So thank you, God, that you are infinite, you are eternal. We will never have you figured out. We will not, it's going to take us all of eternity to know you, and we're always going to be on that journey. And you know that. And so you have patience with us finite human beings who are constantly wrestling with even the concept of you being infinite. You have so much patience with us. And so this even as we're doing this and it feels awkward and uncertain, thank you for the reminder that you understand that about us and we're safe with you and you're patient with us. So give us hearts to listen and be able to relax and just rest and not overthink this, not worry about getting it right, quote unquote, as Kim talked about God. Help us just to be able to relax, rest, and receive whatever it is you have for us. Write it down, whether even if we're not sure if we're really hearing from you or not, just writing it down, what we're hearing or, or what we think we're hearing. And that you would speak and reveal yourself in power. And you would bring healing to the places where we're most wounded, the places where in, inside of us where we there's great darkness where we sense the darkness and we fear to go to those places, God, that you would your love and your life and your light into those wounded places of darkness in us tonight even, even for the first time, that you would move in power and show that you're there and you love us even in the deepest wounds. We pray for that and the authority that you've given us through Jesus his authority, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, John, chapter 10. Starting in verse 7. So the question is, you or me? (laughs) Well, I made you pray, so I'll go first. (laughs) You made me. I made you, because I have the physical (laughs) capability of making you do anything. Actually, I love praying, so yeah, but we'll go with it. You go first. 
Okay, so we're in John chapter 10, starting in verse 7, uh, in the Passion Translation. Passion Translation. What a surprise. I know. At least I'm consistent. Hang on one second, let me get there. Using the Uversion app. Which I am also using. However, it's um, in my top four of most used hmm. translations. Shocker. All right, here we go. So we are looking for the word, phrase, or verse that stands out. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. But the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd. Because he has no heart for the sheep, he will run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. Mm. And then the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off, and scatters them. I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me. Just as my father knows my heart, and I know my father's heart, I am ready to give my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that I will gather which are not of this Jewish flock, and I, their shepherd, must lead them too, and they will follow me and listen to my voice. And I will join them all into one flock with one shepherd. The Father has an intense love for me because I freely give my own life to raise it up again. I surrender my own life, and no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my father has set before me. So now we just take some time in silence to listen and write it down. What'd you get, Kim? Uh, so I got surrender my own life. Surrender my own life. Mm-hmm. What verse is that? It's in verse eighteen. I got um, from verse nine to enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. All right now. We read it again, and this time we're we're going to pay attention to our emotions, particularly what's our emotional response to what we're reading. Maybe um, more even specifically, the word that was given to us last time, but it could be anything. And uh, I always say this because I I pray this a lot for myself, and I say this a lot to others is is that I. I like to start, you know, before I read through this one, because it is so tricky for people to pay attention. 
to our emotional response. I, I, I love to go back to God in prayer and just ask him to, um, to make it clear to me what my emotional response is without and acknowledge my, you know, that I am capable very easy of self-deception. So I'm going to read. I think we'll, um, I think I'm going to go with the NIV on this one. And this is where starting in verse seven and going to 18. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So once again, just take a few moments in silence to allow God to show us our emotional response to what we've read. You still processing or? No, I got one. Oh, okay. Mine was uh, comfort. My first reaction was actually fear. Mm. Um, and then peace. Mm. All right. Last but not least. looking for the gift or invitation that uh, God has for us for today, for the present. So do you want to uh, read or do you, uh, what, what version do you want to go with this time? Oh, let's do the message. Hopefully it translates well. I'll get one extra verse in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the message, we're going the message. Okay. So we're starting with verse 6, I take it? Apparently. Okay. Jesus told the simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about. So he tried again. I'll be explicit then. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them, too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life, and so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I received this authority personally from my Father. So for the last time, we'll and listen for God's voice for his gift his invitation to us Okay, what do you got, Kim? Uh, my invitation was don't hold tightly to your life. Lay it down willingly and see what I will do. <laughs> Mine was uh, lay down your life to discover life. <laughs> <laughs> so, sounds like we, we uh, got similar invitations so uh what what was your word again in the beginning surrender my own life surrender my own life i got to enter through me is to experience life freedom and satisfaction okay so you said your emotion was fear what explain you know where that was coming from and then peace right and then you came to peace um well you know and pretty much no one else knows that i've been feeling like god's been calling me to write a book Mm -hmm. which scares the crud out of me Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of it was just part of writing is laying down your life is putting out there vulnerably what (laughs) you might not willingly share otherwise Mm. So for me, there's a little bit of that, just that fear of, I don't know how, vulnerable, you know, being vulnerable is not my uh, go-to uh, mode unless I feel extremely comfortable. And even then, it's normally a little bit of a fight. Yeah, I, I, have, <laughs> I have personal experience with that. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Um, Which is amazing that in this context, you have... I would say every time we are on Life First God Heals together, you are amazingly vulnerable quickly. (laughs) Apparently when I'm not focusing on my own stuff, it gets a little easier. So I just want to affirm that in you. There's a, there's, it may, for those who are listening to, you know, um, consistently to at least to the times you and I are talking together, on on the show, that might be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe firmly that it's another sign of God's God's work and a sign that when He's calling you to do something, something that's normally hard for you is at least less hard. Hmm. Uh, I would be the first to admit I've had a few stress headaches after some of our hmm. recordings, but. <laughs> 
in the moment, you know, part of the beauty of sharing is it's not just for you. And that takes takes some of the, I don't want to say pressure, because sometimes that's almost more pressure. But it's more important to me that I share what God's wanting me to share than it is for me to protect myself in that moment. Hmm. So that can make it easier. Whereas when you and I are meeting, just personally, just personally, when it's just you and I, when we're doing our spiritual direction stuff, there's not, I'm not reaching out for something that might help someone else. Hmm. I'm, you know, sharing whatever I'm struggling with. So, you know, there's, you know, my defense mechanisms are still just a little bit higher. And yes, I know they amuse you to no end. <laughs> um, but so then it was just like, it, you know, because when we were praying earlier too, it's like, he's like, I do understand. You know, God understands what we're going through. You know, he laid his life down first. And he's like, I'm more than able to pick your life back up. You know, if you'll lay it down willingly. So that kind of was like, oh, okay, I'm not responsible for picking it back up. Mm. I'm not responsible for what happens when I lay my life down. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that brings a measure of peace because all I have to do is lay it down willingly and the results are up to him. And there's power in that. It's really what, what you're sharing, even the radio show experiences, uh, our show experiences that you've had have been an actual, I think, illustration of what you're sharing right now, that in the midst of your willingness to lay down your life, God is showing up and giving you the comfort level, the power, the confidence, the courage you need to do that on air, (laughs) you know, like for anyone to listen to. So I think that that probably is... I would say that is an indicator like that God is showing you what the book writing is going to be. It's, it's kind of a, a prophetic indication yeah. of the power he's giving you for writing. And as you see the surprising way that you're able to share live right now and in other times when we're recording yeah, and even with last night, as you know, I shared with you, uh, I, we had our meeting yesterday, and I went home, and I was just like, okay, I got to write this down, like, and I managed to get through 1,200 words in not a very long mm. space of time, which <laughs> is a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> about what we talked about. About what we had talked about, you know, and, and how I'd been feeling, you know, about getting hurt over something that felt so, you know, my brain was going, that's dumb. Why are you feeling hurt over that? You know, on the other hand, but the other hand, I couldn't let it go mm. until we had that conversation, you know, and then kicking myself going, oh, that was dumb, mm. you know, but then being able to get it out and process it and, you know, see God's handwork in it and, you know, just being able to then get on paper and you go, this is what life is about. It's yeah. Sometimes our hurts feel stupid (laughs) and like part of us goes, Oh, why are we reacting so horribly to this like little minor thing? But then when we bring it to God and then bring it to the other person that allows us to start healing from that and to figure out what's really going on underneath, you know, why are we having such a big reaction to such a small thing? You know, because if, if we don't bring it to the light and we don't know it exists, we can't get healing for it. You know. And what's the alternative for usually for people if if they're not bringing it to the light to heal? And we bury it. And we dig it down deep, and it becomes it becomes another chain and another trap for us. Something where we always wind up being sensitive about that thing. And it can become just another excuse to bury ourselves further and to keep trying to protect ourselves instead of, you know, allowing God the role that he's meant to have Mm. as our protector. Mm. 
so we circumvent God, God's place as our defender and protector. Yeah. And it leaves us trapped. And it's not a fun place to be. Mm. I mean, even a week of that is kind of a giant pain in the rear. Yeah. Self-protection is a is a misnomer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a paradox. It's really more like you're just building some new jail cell walls. Yeah. When we wall off from God and other people, we're really just creating an echo chamber that the enemy's voice and our own insecurities can speak into without challenge from God or other people who want to encourage us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we talked about it. You were surprised. You know, we apologized. I forgave. We moved on. And, you know, our relationship is better for it. We're, I mean, honestly, it's not like it's the first time someone's done that to me. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time I actually said something. Mm. You know? And it's better. Mm. It's so much better than digging down deep and shoving it in a corner and trying mm. not to deal with it. How do you think that that experience yesterday relates to what you're hearing today about the book? Well, it's some of it, you know, when it comes to laying down your life, when you're holding so tightly onto what you think you need to have it be your life, you get to a point where you can't take hold of what God really has for you. Mm. Um, And when it comes to the book writing, you know, I've been fighting it like crazy um, because it it feels too vulnerable and it doesn't, you know, it's not exactly the safe option, you know. And, of course, um, with that nice, really heavy one wing I have, my brain goes, but it, it might not be perfect and you know it goes to all the you know all the things that you know like you're not that good at writing blah 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 you know there's all these potential consequences um knowing my story the way I do obviously since I experienced it I've already experienced people not liking parts of my story mm. and not understanding it and not wanting to hear it and that was just in personal conversations being a sensitive person who can be sensitive to criticism that the thought of putting something out there where anyone can read it and see and hear my story is is terrifying and it does literally take laying my life down and being willing to be that vulnerable with my life you know in order to to do what God's calling me to do you know, but he keeps promising, look, I've got you in the end of this. Mm. You know, like you lay your life down and something amazing is going to happen. And I think that's true for all of us. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're a little too quick sometimes to try to protect what we feel is our life and our rights. Instead of laying them down, letting God do with us what he will. Yeah. So yesterday was a snapshot of that, of, yeah, of, of yeah. what this is. Because that was hard. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out while I was writing it. And hmm. after, after we after met. After we met, and, and I, was, I was at home, you know, hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't easy to write it down. You know, I brought up all the emotions again times 10 because I didn't have anyone around. So <laughs> that part of my self-protection didn't kick in. That it was extremely emotional and it wasn't easy to write down for me. It took going, okay, God, this is what you want. I have to lay down, you know, my desire to self-protect in order to even write this little short 1,200-word section of it. You know, and it was worth it. It was good. Like, let me process things. You know. What What did you experience? from God after you had done that? Honestly, it was like a, a weight had been lifted off of, of that, you know. 
like there have been like, well, as you know, because you read what I wrote, you know, there was a lot of second guessing myself going on after, after we met. And so just writing it down and experiencing it and then, you know, taking the time to go, okay, well, God, what are you showing me in the middle of this? You know, what, you know, here, okay, here was the story part of it. But then what was I learning in that? You know, because I hadn't thought about that part so much until I started writing it down. And that was just like a, just a weight off. I mean, I still had a stress headache, but... (laughs) But there was also just relief that it was down. It was down on, well, okay, not paper. (laughs) Um, But it it was written down. It was somewhere where I wasn't going to forget it again. Hmm. You know, of course, that's the beauty of writing, whether it's journaling or writing a book, is it lets you go back to stuff that can be easy to forget. Yeah. Either because we want to. We're forgetful people. (laughs) We are forgetful, you know, and that's how we overcome is by, you know, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Sometimes we have to testify to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, About the goodness of God and what he's doing in our lives. So the weight came off. Yeah. And what replaced the weight? What was the experience? Uh, Well, besides tiredness, but but also just a, a sense of peace. Um, at least in the moment that okay we're good like you know there's something about being obedient to God (laughs) that even if you don't see the results right away that just brings a sense of relief and peace um, to the rest of the night like I was able to fall asleep real quick Mm. Um, which normally after one of our conversations if I'm not sure about it doesn't always happen (laughs) Because my brain's thinking about the what ifs. Mm, yeah. Should have. So it, it, if you don't surrender it to God, it just continues. Your mind continues to race and run through it like a, a hamster on a wheel, right? Yes, you've experienced a few videos as a result of me <laughs> running my brain all night long uh, mm. in response to that. And and isn't really that what you just said? Peace. First of all. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of letters to different churches um, in the New Testament, that what we have is the New Testament. Now, one of those letters was to a region called, you know, an ancient Rome called Galatia. And in that letter to the Galatians, he describes the fruit or the evidence of, of God's spirit, his presence mm-hmm. in us, Right. And one of those, the evidence that God is there with us is his peace towards us, right? Yeah. That we get to receive and then reflect. And that's what you said, right? It's peace. So you, in surrendering this to God, you received his peace. And isn't that really what life is? Like this whole thing Jesus is talking about, he has life for us to the fullness, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what is death? This is really the absence of life. And what is life? What is the life we're really all after? We chase after physical things. We, we chase after money and fame. We chase after affirmation. But what, what is it we're really looking for inside? Isn't it peace? Isn't it joy? Isn't that really what life is? And so when we surrender our, what we think our life is, our need to protect, our need to take care of ourselves. What, what you just said is what we experience is real life, peace. Because anxiety is death, right? Mm-hmm. It's what we're really afraid of when we share ourselves with other people. We're anxious and worried and fearful that we're going to feel shame. And that is actually all the opposite of what God offers us. That is death. Shame, anxiety, fear, worry, insecurity, that's death. And what real life is, is peace and joy. And money and fame can't bring that. But surrender to God brings life. When we lay down our lives, he takes up our life and carries us. And he is life. And he gives us his peace. That's who he is. He is peace. And so you experience the presence of God in you, in, in one 
really interesting facet, which was peace. That's awesome. It's so good. Your willingness to obey, you came into alignment with his peace when you surrendered your life back to him again. Yeah, it's pretty cool <laughs> how he works like that. And it's really, that's the life every moment is I would say surrender, right? Yeah. I what I wrote down for my word was to enter through me. This is Jesus talking, right? Through the passion translation, the way that they translate it. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. You felt that freedom that really you said Yeah. The, the really, lifting. Yeah. Freedom. For me, and I heard, uh, you know, in the emotion, I felt comfort. And it came from John ten fourteen in the NIV translation. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And what really gave me comfort is he knows our struggles. Like everything you shared, like God gets it. He, we're safe with him. He knows us fully. He loves us fully. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And that. Knowing that he knows us is is a huge is a huge comfort, but also that he's saying my sheep know me, and again he is peace and he is joy and this is the process of growing to know him more intimately. Comes through surrender of our own selves and opening up and letting him in. Right, being honest and confessing what we're feeling. Being honest and letting him in brings uh, a greater knowledge of who he is, of his peace. And everything you're saying, Kim, is really, like, for me, is what he's showing me as well in this process of just how good he is, how righteous he is, that I don't have to grasp for his righteousness. He's already given it to me. And I can look for it in my day that in his righteousness is that he keeps his promises to us. He's made promises that he's always there with us. He's always taking care of us. He's always available. His power is there. And and we can ask him to show us where it is hidden in our day, and he will show us. And, and I've been waking up a lot in the morning. Um, my typical morning is wake up with incredible anxiety and then to continue to st- to be, uh, surrender it, be aware of it, acknowledge it before God, acknowledge his righteousness, and ask him to show me where he is in the midst of that. That's the three A's, the triple A roadside assistance, I call it. I get stuck on the side of the road with empty of all peace and totally anxious, and I cry out to God the three A's. I, I'm aware. It's become, I'm becoming more aware of my own anxiety rather than hiding it from myself and God, which I'm great at self-deception. Like I've said, aware to become aware of it, to ask or to acknowledge it before Him and acknowledge His goodness, and ask Him to show show Him, ask Him to show me where He is, brings greater awareness, which brings more acknowledgement of His goodness and more uh, freedom to acknowledge my anxiety, which brings more asking Him to take this off of me and surrender it lay down honestly my stuff before in my life before him which it's an upward spiral rather than a downward spiral that leads to more awareness so so that's just the to me that's really in a nutshell what this was is an affirmation keep going i know you you know me and i have freedom i'm i want you to experience my life my freedom and my satisfaction so lay your life this was my invitation. Lay down your life to discover life, real life. You know? And that I wrote down the passage was that invitation came out of was I freely laid down my life and I'm free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I love that. Yeah. The world looks at Jesus a lot of the times as a victim. Yeah. He, his life was taken from him. But he says, no, no one took it from me. Yeah. I, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I my life I gave it freely and I took it back up again in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. That's I, that was the verse that mine was out of too. Mm. And, you know, and what Hebrews says it best. 
for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Hmm. He chose so that we could come home. And he considered it joy because he counted us worth the cost. Yeah. He went before us, right? Yeah. He went before us joyfully, laid down his life willingly, and took it up again in power and authority. And then that's our invitation, right? Follow that example. Lay down our life. To be honest, I'm I'm concerned that for the church big C in at least the West, that we've lost that message. It seems like we're the world fights for their rights because they think no one else will fight for them. That's a victim mentality. And even our concerns with I, I feel like the church is in some ways we're seeing cracks in everything that's happening with COVID. We're seeing the cracks that the church is also fighting for their rights. Even I, I've seen so many people whining about having to wear a mask, yeah. whether they believe in it or not. What's the big deal of putting a piece of cloth over your face so other people feel comfort? What's that big deal? It's it's just astounding to me that the simplest things we're fighting against that we could be sacrificing for other people, laying down our rights. That's the model that Jesus calls us to follow, and he's there in power as we lay down these things. He's there showing himself in power. That is definitely something I think that we struggle with as people in general is the idea of laying down our rights. It's like, yeah, you have the right, but is fighting for your right in this, is this going to bring someone, the people around you closer to God, or is it going to drive them further away? If the answer is it's going to drive them further away, then how important is your right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... <laughs> Going back to our YWAM days, that was the biggest, one of the biggest things that I think I learned was we had to do a lot of laying down our rights, laying down our right to be right, because you were stuck with these people for six months. <laughs> um, laying down your right for privacy, laying down your right for comfort, you know, all these things that we think of as our rights, you know, and, and even something you know, I've talked about on a few occasions, you know. The right to be right, <laughs> because there's a difference between disagreement and division, as we've talked about before. And when people get so stuck on the idea that their way is the only right way, mm. that causes so much division, because then it becomes us versus them, and we're no longer listening to the other person trying to hear their side. We're listening to the other person so we know how to argue better. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't help but think how much that must break God's heart when he said that I'm now making you one flock. Yeah. yeah, we have different streams. Yeah, we have different ways of looking at things. But then God is God and we're not. You're right. You're right. And that, you know, we're in, we're finite and he's infinite. And there are some things that are not hills worth dying on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of course, I'm a nine, so I can see both sides of everything. Yeah, and, and to dislike conflict, but I am willing to fight if it's something that needs to be fought for. I'm willing to fight for someone else's freedom. I'm willing to be uncomfortable and be on a talk show yeah, and be are. vulnerable if that means someone else gets free. But there are so many things that are not hills they're worth dying on. Yeah, right. That's the old saying. In non-essential, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, grace mm. or love. And I think of the early church, right? That was being persecuted, were being killed by Roman authorities, mm. right? We 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 are fighting in our country over politics and we get to elect our president and yet in Rome there was no say in who the leader was. Rome was had a Caesar, had a king 
and they conquered nations. And those nations had Christ followers in them. And then for a Christ follower in those days to say that there was their king was Jesus was treason. And yet those same Christ followers willingly laid down their lives, not only to proclaim Jesus as king, but also in serving the very people who were killing them. And that's what flipped Rome. Not them fighting for their rights and rebellion against those who they disagreed with. It was them laying down their lives constantly and following the path of Jesus that held real power. Vulnerability and humility are the power that draw people to God and to us, not fighting against them, not disagreeing and and dividing. We can disagree, but in love, not dividing. Being willing to listen and lay down our lives and wear masks and do the things that are uncomfortable for us, that's what brings power. That's life. Peace, joy, yeah. And we need that. We need this message. We need to, to, as the church first, we have to be the ones to listen to Jesus' invitation and lay down our lives like he did. And we will pick them up again in power and we will see life come through us to other people. And that's a sorely needed message in the church right now. Most definitely. So, Kim, to wrap this up, will you pray? Pray for us and and pray for uh, us, you and me, and pray for us as as the church and whole. Would you do that for us? Sure. Why not? Dad, thank you for this time. Uh, thank you that Kurt and I once again get to do this that we get to be with you and with each other and learn more about who you are every time. That you are so good to constantly be pursuing us. Your mercy and your grace pursue us and it's not a quiet or a lazy thing, but it is a fierce pursuit. Mm. Um as the quote I shared with Kurt forever ago, your goodness and your mercy pursue us like a celestial stallion. (laughs) There is a fierceness to your love that we need so desperately to experience and receive. You were so willing to lay down your life for us that we could come home so that we could be who you created us to be in the first place. Dad, you would help us to learn how to lay down our lives and allow you to pick them back up. That we would not be as concerned about our rights as we would be about the rest of your creation coming home and being with you. Mm. You've given us the choice of free will. So we get the right to choose to lay down our lives for those that you loved, to be the ambassadors that you have called us to be. As if Christ was preaching that message, reconciliation through us. As he would let us receive your love and your grace and your mercy so that we can then reflect that love, grace, and mercy to those around us. Hmm that they would see something different in us, that we really would be known by our love. Now I ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Kim. Thanks once again for showing what vulnerability, what the power of vulnerability looks like tonight. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do it again. (laughs) Got a feeling. (laughs) Until then, take care.